0: Uh, we are going to jump into a brand new chapter today. Uh, it is amazing, it is amazing where we are on Sunday and, and what we are covering on, on Sunday morning with uh, the book of Acts and, and uh, the early church and how it began and all that. It's amazing how God is going to tie some of that stuff that we talked about last week and uh, what we're going to be talking about this week into the lesson tonight. That's just how big God is, Amen. So, as we look at this, Philippians chapter number 3, let's jump into verse number 1. What's the first word? Finally. <clears throat> say it again. Finally. finally. Now, this doesn't mean finally, uh, we're about to end the letter. It means we're moving to a different thought process. We're moving to a different segment, something different. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Say that with me. And have no confidence in the flesh. That may be the key statement of the study tonight. That phrase right there is so important to everything we're going to read and look at. Uh, so keep that in mind if you have a Bible you're allowed to write in, underline that. Have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, i more. In other words, what Paul is saying He said, if there was anybody on the planet that should be able to have confidence in their flesh because of their pedigree, it's me. It's me. And then he begins to give his biography. He says, uh, though, uh, in verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless. No doubt about it. No question about it, Paul is saying. This is not even something i got to think about. This. It, it, it is a no-brainer. A no-brainer. I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. In other words, what he's saying... All those things that was important to me. All those things that were special. All those things that, that meant so much to me. Compared to what I have in Jesus. Compared to what I've received in the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are nothing. He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung." Does everybody know what that is? Okay. That I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, my faith not of works, not of works, not something you can do, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Father, thank you, Lord, for those that are here tonight. Thank you for the privilege it is to serve you. Thank you for the the honor that it is to be able to stand in a place and open your word and and be with your people and, and be able to hear from you. There's no doubt, Lord, I believe you have a message for us tonight. There's no doubt, I believe, that this, this truth that we are going to see and, and, and learn and we need to apply, God, it's gonna it could be a life changer. I pray, Lord, that you will touch every soul, every ear. I pray that every person here can, can clearly understand everything that's said tonight. God, give me the ability to articulate it in such a way that the the, the youngest person in the room can clearly understand your word. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. God, give us what we stand in need of. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. And I give you the glory and the honor and, Lord, all of the credit for everything that's done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. In other words, he says we've done covered this stuff, we've done talked about it, and apparently he is in reference to already uh, some of the sermons or some of the lessons that he taught them while he was with them at Philippi. In other words, basically he's saying this, I know you've heard this before, I know we've gone over this already, And I know this is not nothing new. It's kind of of like the phrase, preaching to the choir. Amen? It's like telling the people, it's here on Wednesday night, you need to be faithful. Okay? You're here. So he is saying, you've heard this before, but, but, I need to write this down. I need to put this in print. He said, it is for your benefit, it is so it will keep you safe. And then he begins to share the, 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 the exhortation with them. He begins to share the teaching with them. The first word he says is beware. Beware. And who is he telling them to beware of? He says beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. And obviously obviously, he's not talking about the canine unit. Are you all with me? Say amen. Dogs, dogs were the term that was given to Gentiles by the Jews. How many of y'all know that Gentiles and Jews didn't get along? Uh, they, were, they were called dogs. But Paul is turning this phrase around and turning, turning these terms around, and he's, say, he's not calling the Gentiles dogs. He's calling the Judaizers dogs. And I'll explain who them are in just a minute. So he is telling them, you need to be careful. You need to beware. There There is some people that are going to come. They're going to try to persuade you. They're going to try to deceive you. And and so here's, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to take this and, and, and break it down and let us see exactly who these people are. And it's going to take me just a minute to describe this and go through the history of this before we actually jump into our outline. So let me give you the first couple words, and then I'll, I'll, I'll try to uh, catch us up here. All right? First, there's a caution. There's a caution. Who? What is he cautioning them of? False teachers. False teachers. Hey, if you're taking notes, write that down in your notes. False teachers teachers. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. And he's talking about the Jewish people. Now, with that being said, look up at me for just a minute and let me let me kind of give you a brief history of what, what we're looking at. <clears throat> in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts chapter number 2, we find that, that there is something dramatic that takes place. There is something very powerful, something just a big, big deal that takes place in the history of mankind. For years and years and years and years throughout the Old Testament leading up to the, uh, uh, the, the birth of Christ and, the, and, the, and the, the age of Christ on this earth and also uh, 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 when the, the, the birth of the church, if you will, the establishment of the church there in Acts chapter number 2, God dealt primarily with the Jewish nation. From the time Abraham was called, he told Abraham, I'm going to bless them that bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. I'm going to promise you a seed. Your seed is going to be as the sand of the sea. And he's talking about the nation of Israel. Is everybody with me right there? So for years and years and years and years and years and years, uh, God dealt primarily through the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was supposed to be ambassadors to the whole world. They were supposed to be the conduit that, that the world could see God. In other words, what we are now as the church to the world, that is what Israel was to the world. Does everybody understand that? They were the representatives to the rest of the world about God, uh, Jehovah, who the one true God is all about. They were supposed to be be a representative to all of the world of who he is. They were to speak to them of who he is. And God primarily dealt with Israel. Listen, our scriptures came through the Jews. Our Savior came through the Jews. And according to Jesus, our salvation came through the Jews. Are you all with me? Amen? So everything worked through the Jewish people. Well, at Pentecost, that changed. That changed. God set aside the Jewish people, and brought in the church. God brought in the church, and instead of God working and speaking through and doing everything he did through the Jewish nation, it's no longer the Jewish nation. Now it is the church. It's no longer Jew and Gentile. It's no longer male and female. It's one new man, the church. If you're following me so far, say amen. I'm going somewhere with this. I just got to lay this out, amen? Uh, So, here's what takes place. In Acts chapter number 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, The believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a great thing. It's an exciting thing. It's a powerful thing. 3,000 Jewish people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and and the church is established. The church is born, if you will, and boom, here we go. Well, if we continue reading through the book of Acts, uh, according to Acts chapter number 8, the Samaritans hear the gospel, the Samaritans believe the gospel, and because of that, they are saved. Well, here comes Peter. Here comes Peter and the, and the apostles from Jerusalem, and they come to them. Now, uh, and I don't want to get into too much detail, because I'm going to take away from what I'm going to do Sunday, but uh, they did not receive the Holy Ghost at that point. And the reason that is, is because God wanted to connect the Jewish people To the Samaritans because the Samaritans were hated by the Jews and the Jews were hated by the Samaritans. So he had to bring them together. He had to bring them together also with the Gentiles that we're going to read about here in a minute in Acts chapter number 10. So when Peter and them came, they prayed. They prayed for them. uh, They received the Holy Ghost. uh, And this is a great thing. Now, this is awesome. God's not only filled the Jews, but now he has received uh, the, the, the Samaritans, they're part of the church. They're part of the church. Now, that's not quite as big a deal because at least they have some Jew in them. They have some Jew in them. They, they are part Jew, so, so it didn't wig them out too bad. Well, come, come Acts chapter number 10, Cornelius, a full-blooded Gentile, he he hears a word from God. Sends for Peter. Peter comes and preaches the gospel to him. In the midst of his preaching, they believe the word that he is saying. The Holy Ghost comes upon them. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? And 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 well, and for those that that are teaching that you have to be baptized to be saved, guess what? That happened before they were baptized. Anyway, that's just another thought. We'll talk about Sunday. Amen. Here. They received, so now the, 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 the Jews have, have been placed in the church. They are part of the church. The Samaritans in Acts 8 are part of the church. They are together. Didn't really wig them out too bad because they had Jewish blood in them. But now Cornelius and his family, they are full-blooded Gentiles. Peter preaches to them. They received the, the Holy Ghost, and, and man, this is great. They are baptized And word gets back to Jerusalem that Peter is hanging out with Gentiles and everything that took place. And this is a crazy thing. The Bible says when it was reported to them that the Gentiles had received the word, now right then they should have had a party. Are you all with me? Isn't it amazing that sometimes Christians can't celebrate over good things that happen to other Christians? Churches get jealous of one another and, 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 and upset if God touches this church and God's not touching this church and they, and they got it. Anyway, that shouldn't be. Well, Peter gets back. Peter gets back. And uh, when he gets back, boy, they had an issue. They had an issue over, over what? What are you doing hanging out with Gentiles? What are you doing? What in the world? And, and so here's this big uproar. Well, Peter explains to them the vision that God had given him. And he explained to them that, listen, the same phenomenon that took place in Acts chapter number 2, it took place in Acts chapter number 10. Hey, God received them, if God received them, and so now they're good with it. But you've got to understand, you got to understand, it was a big deal. A lot of them didn't like it. Well, Paul starts out his ministry. After Paul's salvation, after Paul begins his first missionary journey, you remember, Peter was primarily a missionary to the Jews. Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. Well, Paul is going out and reaching Gentiles. Gentiles are getting saved. Paul is planting churches in all these areas. But there's a problem because there's some, there's some uh, uh, really zealous Jewish believers who were following behind Paul and saying, Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, they, that, I'm, I'm glad they're believing in this Jesus Christ. But they've got to be Jew, too. They have to be circumcised, too. They had to become a Jewish proselyte, too. And what that means is that they have to be converted to Judaism. Then they have to be a believer in Christ. Are you, are, are you following me so far? I hope I didn't lose nobody. They're saying, hey, I, I, they, 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 we need to be a believer in Christ. But before we're a believer in Christ, you have to be a Jew, too. Well... This this caused problems. This caused problems. So, in Acts chapter number 15, in Acts chapter number 15, they had a conference. Everybody piled up and went back to Jerusalem, and they had a conference with the church, all the leaders of the early church. And they decided, listen, Paul is right, and Peter is right. They don't have to become Jewish to be saved and to be part of the church. All it takes is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now, that should have solved everything. That should have been the end of the story. That should have been over with. should have been done. So Paul goes out. The conference is over. The final verdict is is in. Hey, they don't have to be Jewish. All they got to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not of works. It is all of faith. Well, he goes back out on his missionary journeys. He's planting more churches. Well, there was a crowd of people that was not satisfied with that verdict. There was a crowd of people that did not like it, and they still thought that you had to be Jewish too. And they are called Judaizers. Say that with me. Judaizers. So everywhere Paul went, everywhere Paul went and won people to Christ, they were coming right behind them and telling us, listen, Paul didn't tell you the whole story. You've got to become Jewish too. Y'all with me? Does this make sense? Everywhere Paul went, they come nipping at his heels, trying to steal his converts. And so this is what Paul's dealing with. And this is the crowd, this is the crowd that Paul is warning them about. He said, listen, beware of dogs. And he's talking about this group of people that are trying to take away from their freedom in Christ, their liberty in Christ, the truth of the gospel, that you're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not of yourself, not of works, not something you can do, not of the flesh. It is not Jesus plus something. It is not faith plus something. Does this make sense? He says, beware. Beware. Now, secondly, First, we see a caution. Then we see a contrast. <clears throat> we see a contrast. In, cha- in verse number 2, he says, he says this group over here is he, he called them dogs. Then he called them evil workers. And then he called them the concision. He's talking about the Jewish people and using circumcision, that, that act, that physical act, that act of the flesh. Okay, but now watch what he says. Now watch what he says in verse 3. For we are the circumcision, we are the Jewish group which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So, two things are being contrasted here. First, A, a false Christian. A false Christian. Say that with me. A a false Christian. Do you realize... There are people that name the name of Christ today, but they are a false Christian. Now, it's going to blow your mind. Put your seatbelts on. Y'all ready for this? It's going going to get a little rocky. He's contrasting those that we find in verse 2 with those that we find in verse 3. He said those in verse 2 believe in a works-based salvation. Now, let's read our notes. Their faith... Their faith is in their religion. Now think about this. Their faith, the false Christian, their faith is in their religion. Or the list of rules they have and their ability to follow them. That's all religion is. Religion is a list of rules. It's a list of beliefs, if you will. It's a list of things that you have to follow. And their faith, In other words, what they were resting in. Now watch. Let me, I hope I can do this right. This chair is an object. This chair is an object. If I place my faith, if I place my faith in this object, then I sit. What am I doing? I am placing my faith in this object to hold me up. Does everybody understand that? Now, I can come back here and say, I have faith. I have faith in this chair. The chair is the object of my faith. The chair is what I'm trusting in. The chair is what I'm believing in. And what Paul is saying is what they were believing in and what they were trusting in to get them to heaven was not the grace of God, was not the, 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 the finished work of Calvary on the cross. It was their religion. It was their ability to to follow through with the rules and regulations and traditions they've received from their fathers for generations and generations. Oh no, you said, you said they believed in Jesus. They did, but they added to it. They said they had faith in Jesus, but they said you had to follow the rules too. It's kind of like people that says that you can be saved, but then you got to be good to keep it. There's a crowd running around saying, now now we can, we can, whatever you want to term it, whatever you want to label it, eternal security or whatever it might be, but if you think that you can get saved, but then you got to be good to keep it, you're adding works to grace. Yeah. And I would be very careful, I would be very careful to know what I believe. Because if you believe, listen, If you can't be good enough to earn it, you can't be bad enough to lose it. Now, there are people, there's two types of people who believe that you can lose your salvation. One is because they were told that. My father, when he got saved, y'all got to understand something. He's totally ignorant of God, totally ignorant of Scripture, totally ignorant of Bible verses. He didn't know no Bible verses. Most any lost person in this country could quote John 3, 16. Even if they don't know, Dad didn't know nothing. When he come and got saved, when he come and got saved, I'm talking about he got very, very kind. He got saved all over. Say amen. He was so excited about it. He was so jacked up about it. He ran to my Uncle Junior, in which he really wasn't an uncle. I mean, he wasn't even no kin at all. But he hung around so much, and he ate at my grandma's table so much. They just called him Uncle Junior and said, Uncle Junior, I got saved, man. I went to this church down here and told him the name of the church, and I got saved. Uncle Junior, you need to get saved. You need to come to go to church with me. And this is what Uncle Junior said. He said, I can't go to that church. They believe in once saved, always saved. And my dad said, no, they don't. And so he went back, he went back to Brother Wooten and Brother Wooten, he said, he said, Preacher Wooten, we don't believe one saved, always saved, do we? He said, Yeah. And he he sat down with my father and he took the word of God and he taught him what God's word says about grace and faith and not of works and all of that. And he went back to Uncle Junior and said, Yes, we do. <laughs> you see, some people, some people believe in this. Because they were told that by somebody they had confidence in. But watch this. That 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 person's deceit. But there are other people that are trying to be good to get to heaven. That is not salvation. That is a false Christian. They are not truly born again. You cannot add anything to grace. Is it does this make sense? Now now, this group, let's read, it, let's read our notes. Their faith was in their religion, not in Jesus and what he did on the cross. These men taught that the sinner was saved by faith plus good works, especially the works of the law. But Paul states that their good works are really... Now, now we're going to get to this in a minute, but you can include baptism right there. There are people that teach or try to tell you that you have to be baptized. Baptism is a work. It's something you do after you believed in Jesus Christ. All right, now watch. Uh, they, Paul states that their good works are really evil works because they are performed by the flesh or our old nature and not the spirit. And they glorify the workers and not Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, that's before Philippians, in case you're looking. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 8. Ephesians 2, verse number 8. When you get there, say amen. For by grace. grace. For by Grace. grace. That means unmerited favor. It means it's all about God. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to get it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's all God. Man, that's good. For by grace are you saved through what? Through through Faith. faith. Not works. Not good deeds. Faith. Simply faith. Faith and that not of yourselves. Say that with me. That. In other words, there's nothing you could do not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of. Not of. Why? Because God didn't want anybody doing no bragging. (laughs) For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, what does that mean? they come after salvation when god is through doing his work we get busy doing our work but mm, which god hath before ordained that we should walk in them it is by not, now turn with me to titus turn with me to titus <clears throat> That's after Timothy. All right. Titus chapter 3. If you have a Thompson chain Bible, it's 1,270. All right. Y'all ready? Verse number 5. Verse number 5. Titus 3, verse 5. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. In other words, nothing we could do, no works whatsoever. Listen, Ephesians 2 and Titus 3 make it very clear that nobody can be saved by doing good works, even religious works. A Christian's good works are the result of his faith, not the basis for his salvation. Now, there's a term that we use today. There's a term that we use today. It's called legalism. It's called legalism. Uh, We call people that try to add rules to this, to to your Christianity, to your salvation, legalistic. Legalistic. In other words, they try, to, they try to bring the law in and, 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 and say, and, and, and some people some people try to use this term that, that, that legalism simply means that you're, you're believing and keeping the law to get saved. But that's not necessarily true. I believe that it goes even beyond that. I believe legalism goes into the point that you've got to try to follow the law to please the Lord. Guess what your righteousness is in God's eyes? Good luck with that. For many years of my life, I thought I had to look just right, act just right, talk just right. If I didn't preach in a suit, then God was not happy with me. You know why? Because a, a legalistic Pharisee told me that. I was sitting with a friend of mine one day, and we were discussing this topic, and, and I said, i just tell you, you know, God... God's not pleased. He said, son, let me ask you a question. He said, what is the best deeds you can do? Best deeds. Best deeds you can do. Your righteousness in yourself. Your righteousness. In other words, your good deeds. The best you can do. What is that in God's eyes? He knew I knew the answer. I said, it's filthy rags. He said, do you think you're going to impress him with your suit? Now think about this, guys. As I was studying this chapter, as I was studying this chapter, I'm thinking in my head, what has this got to do with joy? And then it dawned on me. There is nothing that steals the joy of Christians more than having to follow more rules than Jesus. There's nothing that steals the joy of Christians more than than feeling like they have to perform to please God. I have never seen a happy legalist. They run around and they tell everybody how holy they are, their performance-based, you judge people by what they look like, if the men have short hair and the ladies have long hair, if the men if ladies are wearing breeches or a dress or men are wearing short breeches or long breeches and all this kind of stuff, they have all of their little uh, uh, little lists of things and, and and they judge everybody by that and and I'm thinking, you know what if y'all are supposed to be so right with God and so holy and all that kind of stuff, why y'all look so miserable? You want me to tell you who looks happy all the time? Liberals. Now there's something wrong. I'm sorry, I'm just telling you. Am I right? Pharisees don't ever smile. They're too busy being critical and judgmental. You're not doing this right, you're not doing that right, or that music's too loud, or it's too worldly, or it's too this, or it's too that. Blah. Legalism is killing churches. And it's killing Christians. Let me tell you what Jesus thought about it. He comes to a group of people and he sees the Pharisees, the religious hierarchy, the people that, that if there was anybody that's supposed to be right with God, is this group of people. And they've got so many laws and they've got so many rules and they've got so many regulations that the people are beat down and heavy. When Jesus said this, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden." heavy laden jesus saw his people laden down with their rules that they could not follow he said come learn of me forget those pharisees he says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i'll give you what rest let me tell you the most restful day of my life is when i realized that everything that i needed was in christ on the cross and i don't have to perform to please my savior And I, I sure don't have to please that booger criticizing me. Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. Watch what he says. Learn of me. Learn of me. Take, watch this. Take my upon you. And watch what he says. My yoke is easy. It's easy. And my burden is You know what a legalist will tell you? If you ain't weighted down, you're not spiritual. Your spirituality is determined by just how miserable you can be. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. And this is so powerful. He said, beware. There was other letters that Paul wrote and said, listen, don't let them bewitch you. Rest in the liberty that's in Christ. Don't let them steal your liberty because if they can steal your liberty, they can steal your joy. Listen, this group, they believe you had to add things. You had to add works. Now watch this. This is how all this is going to tie together. Works are performed by the what? Flesh. Works are performed by the flesh. The work of salvation is performed by the Spirit. Now watch. He's discussed the false Christian. He's discussed the Christian that believes that works is part of salvation. Now let me say this. This is not part of your notes, but I'm feeling it. Do you realize every religion in the world started in the Garden of Eden? Every single religion in the world. And there's only two kinds. There's only two kinds. There is the religion of grace, and there's the religion of works. Abel brought the religion of grace. Cain brought the religion of works. And works and grace have been in battle ever since. Every religion on this planet is either a religion of grace or it's a religion of works. And by the way, let's narrow it down. There's only one that's by grace. And that's Christianity. Real Christianity, by the way. Real Christianity. Not not a works-based Christianity. Not a Christianity. you've got to believe in Jesus and do this other stuff. Only one. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else is based on works. In other words, everything else says you got to do, 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 do. Christianity, real Christianity says, he did, he did, he did, he did. And it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done. Amen. I'm sorry. Let's go. Authentic, authentic Christianity. Listen. He's contrasting a false Christian with an authentic Christian. Their faith, you remember? The faith of the false Christian is in their religion. Listen, this is what they're putting their faith in. It's religion, their rules, and their ability to keep them. Cause see, if you, Now watch how, watch how this ties into people who don't believe in eternal security. If these rules and the ability to keep them is what's going to get you in, if you, if you break one of these rules... If you can't keep it, then you lose it. So, so here here I, I was I was told this one time. I asked somebody, I said, How do you lose it? Well, you get out in sin. I said, How much? need to know where this line is you say you're being smart no i'm not i'm trying to think about this how much sin does it take oh, i don't know I just you know it, it, it i said ma'am do you ever sin oh well yeah oh uh, yeah i said you ain't worried about that and this is what she told me she said this is what i believe I believe the Bible says to take up your cross and follow Him. And if you lay your cross down, you lose the salvation. And this is what I said. I said, man, so what you're telling me is your faith is in the ability to carry that cross, not in what He did on it. Now, Now, number one, that cross... And what you're referring that to, that's, you're taking out of context what that's talking about. When he says take up your cross and follow him, deny yourself, take up that cross, he's talking about your purpose in life, your destiny, your calling, not salvation. Salvation is all about Jesus and what he did on the cross. If you're trusting in being good enough, if you're trusting in being good enough to get to, get to heaven, then your faith is on your goodness. I don't want to I don't want to bother nobody, but I want you to know you got what you're supposed to have. Does everybody understand this? You say the false Christian his faith was in his ability to follow the rules. And in the works that come with that. The circumcision is supposed to come after belief. But an authentic Christian This is the work of Christ on the cross the final payment, the atonement for our sin, what Jesus did on the cross, your faith is in the blood of Christ. It is in the finished work of Christ. Nothing you can do, nothing you could say, nothing you can add to it, simply, the, <laughs> I'm about to have a fit. Do you understand how powerful that is? And how much pressure that takes off of us? It's all about Him. It's not about me. Now watch. The false Christian of verse 2 was works-based. The authentic Christian of verse 3 was faith-based. Their faith is in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. He does not depend on His own good works, which are only of the flesh. He boasts in Jesus Christ. People who depend... Now watch this. People who depend on religion are usually boasting about what they have done. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed a modern day Pharisee? They're always wanting to brag about their short hair or their church members. Look at our church members. Bless God, they all got dresses on. Y'all, some of y'all need to quit looking at me like this. I've been in this my whole life, 42 years of this. I know it. I, I came, he came from a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I come from the Pharisees of the Pharisees. The crowd I came out of, I need a witness from the Robertson clan in the back. Help me. Everything was measured by outward things. In other words, let me describe it this way. You could have a young lady sitting right here. You could have a young lady sitting right here that that maybe has a real short hairdo, and and, and 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 maybe maybe wearing a pair of blue jeans and 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 maybe doesn't look all what you think would. And and then you have and then you have a, a lady over here that's got hair down, you know. And uh, and and got it dressed down there too. And covered up all the way to her earlobes. I, 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 hey, I'm all about modesty. Hey, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if everybody wore more clothes. I'm all about it. But here's the problem. When you come and look... And you say, well, look at that. And you look at this person over here. Well, they don't realize that woman right there, she may, look like, she may look like a holy granny, but her tongue will reach that door over there. She'll gossip on the phone every day, talk bad about people, and do all this kind of garbage. But on the outside, and this one over here, she may not have it all down on the outside like everything, and she may not have the look, and she may not look like a Christian like you think, All, but she's winning people to Christ, right and left, just want her neighbor to Christ. Do you know why, you know why legalism appeals to people? And it usually appeals to prideful people because you can measure. You can measure yourself against somebody else because you can make yourself look good. Only problem is you're using the wrong stick. Don't measure yourself against someone else. Measure yourself against Christ and see how you look. I don't know where all this is coming from. I didn't plan it, but anyway. The true Christian has nothing to boast of, nothing. I don't care if your dad was a preacher and your mama was a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you've memorized the whole New Testament. I don't care if you crawl on your knees all over Coleman to to get people to church and do all these good deeds. Nothing of that is going to get you in. His boast is only in Christ. Turn Turn with me to Luke 18. I've given you a modern-day version of it. Let's, let's look at a Bible version of it. Luke 18. Verse 9. That time can't be right. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) When we finished (laughs) It is not gonna happen. All right. Verse nine, are you there? Say man. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and they despised others. That's that's a modern-day Pharisee. If that's not a legalistic crowd, always looking down on other people, always judgmental. Listen, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now, publican was a sinner and a sure enough one. He was basically a tax collector. He was a sinner. Say man. <laughs> if you work in that department, I'm, this was Bible days. <clears throat> Keep this one off the internet, all right? <laughs> The Pharisee, now watch this, basically this, you got a guy over here in everybody's eyes, he's the religious one, he's the godly one, he's the holy one, he's the one close to God. If anybody's going to heaven, it's the Pharisee, right? Now let me use the terminology they're using here in this chapter. If there's anybody righteous, this is him. Now over there, over here we got the tax collector. Now, what made them so bad? Because they were taking taxes for the Romans, which they hated. And they were usually cheating them. They were usually stealing extra taxes and pocketing it so they were not only working for the government and working for the Romans, they were stealing and cheating, so they were hated. So if there was anybody that was not righteous and was a sinner, was the publican. Does this make sense? So the one that's supposed to be righteous over there, and then the one that's obvious, he's not, okay? Now let's see what Jesus said. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a Republican. The Pharisee stood, now watch how he prayed. He prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even... as that guy right over there. Now, here's what we'll do. We'll come into the house of God. Put your seatbelts on. It's going to get rocky right here. Now, we won't actually say it. But we'll come in here and sit down, and we'll look across the pew over there, and we'll see somebody that's just not got it all together. And in our minds, I'm glad I'm not like him. And then we start judging them. And then we get critical. And then we start nitpicking their sins. Like they don't have any. I'll tell you what. I'm glad when I come to church I don't smell like a smokehouse. Preach why why don't you preach against cigarettes? Because then I'd have to preach against eating, too. And I just ain't there yet, all right? (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing to me. We can look at somebody that's got a problem with cigarettes, but we, we, we won't never... Hello. Or deal with bitterness run forgiveness. That makes us look good because you can't see bitterness on the surface. I'm glad I'm not like that, man. You didn't expect to get this tonight, did you? The Pharisee said I'm not I'm glad I'm not like him. Then he goes to bragging about what he does. What are these? These are works of the flesh. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now let me say this. These things in themselves are not bad. Matter of fact, they're good. But what he thinks is doing for him is bad. He thinks God is up in heaven writing down all his good stuff. Good, man, all right, I'm right, I got it. And his righteousness in God's eyes are as. I fast twice, I give my tithes of all I possess. Now let's go to the publican. He's standing afar off. You know what that tells me? He don't even feel worthy to be in the building. Would not even lift up so much as his eyes into heaven. But he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. <clears throat> Jesus says, be careful about bragging on what you do. Let me, let me go ahead and say this since I only got seven minutes left. That uh you might need to you might need to check when you're going to give advice out freely. Everybody might not need your advice. You may not need to go around fixing everybody. Because you may be confused about. You may be confused about the little twig in their eye because you can't see around the two before in yours. There is nothing holy about being self-righteous. And be careful about dishing out advice all the time if they don't ask for it. Because they may not have enough courage to tell you to mind your own business and you're going to run into someone that will. See, you may not have it all together either. Look what he says: <clears throat> circumcision. This is this is what the, the Jewish Judaizers are saying. You got to do plus believe, an, an act, an outward act, a work of the flesh. Circumcision, baptism, the Lord's Supper, tithing, or any other religious practice cannot save a person from his sins. Read this with me: Only say it again. There is only one good work that saves the sinner or takes the sinner to heaven. That is the finished work of Christ on the cross. And all God's people said, Don't get used to this, but you're getting out early. <clears throat> I want you to pray like never before. I want you to pray about this weekend and pray for God's power. Pray for God's power. I, studying and reading and... And just looking at the early church and the power of God they had when they, when they served and when they worked and when they preached and when they just did whatever they did, man, we are living in an hour where we desperately need the power of God. Amen? Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good that we can rest on the finished work of Christ? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hurry up and pray so I can be truthful. We're, at, we're getting out of four minutes, y'all. Four minutes. Thank you, Lord.